0: Hi everyone, I'm Christina Mendonca. Thank you for being here for this episode number six of A Fresh Agenda. This is A Fresh Agenda, bringing your productivity and creativity together to generate your deepest work. Here is Christina Mendonca. Hi everyone, I'm Christina Mendonca and this is A Fresh Agenda where we talk to innovators and entrepreneurs about their creative process and through the distractions of life, How do we all get at our deepest work? Thanks for being here, it's good to be back. We're going into the last month of 2017 and this is always a time for reflection and goal setting for the next year and we're all trying to figure out how do we do what we do even better, be more creative and offer the world our deepest work, something that's of value. There's so much content out there that doesn't say anything doesn't do anything just kind of sits there on our feeds and is of no use so the goal is really to use your creativity leverage all your career capital and create something that people actually want so that's what we learn through these interviews with these innovators and entrepreneurs and today we're talking to a very creative guy he's a comedian his name is Mike Betancourt he's from Northern California he's a veteran he's a dad and in addition to being a comedian he's an actor He's been in Mama Boy, which was a film that was recently shot here in Northern California. He was also in Don't Shoot, on the Guitar Man, and The Day I Almost Died on the Discovery and Life channel. He's also a regular in local comedy clubs all over the country. So today we're talking to him about his creative process, what drives him to do, what is a very challenging job, and how does he balance his family life with life on the road and all that's required of him in terms of creating new content all the time. One of my favorite quotes actually about creativity comes from a comedian. His name is Ricky Gervais, you've heard of him. You should bring something into the world that wasn't in the world before. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter if it's a table or a film or gardening. Everyone should create. You should do something then sit back and say, I did that. Now for Mike Betancourt, he told me the product he gets to make at the end of the day and sit back and take a look at is a better day for someone else he'll explain that in our conversation mike bettencourt joins me now mike where in the world are you right now
1: i am in little rock arkansas little rock arkansas See, i got the twang down already
0: very nice and how long has this road trip been going on and where are you going next
1: uh i've been in little rock for about a week and a half and then uh tomorrow i'll be heading over to tulsa oklahoma
0: how is it on the road? You always hear these stories about, you know, how difficult life is on the road for comedians that are up and coming. How's it been going?
1: Honestly, it's been really wonderful. I've met some amazing people. Uh, no one's uh, kidnapped me, so I'm good. <laughs> and <laughs> and the locals like me, so that's that's even better.
0: That's very nice. Okay, so what are you talking about right now in your act? What kinds of uh, issues are you addressing? Because we always hear that comedians are having maybe a hard time now because there's so much political correctness out there and so much sensitivity. So what do you talk about?
1: Uh, I talk about my life and uh, I talk about respect. I also talk about uh, what's going on with uh, how people feel about the police. And I put myself in that position. If I was a police officer, how I would handle situations. And first of all, I wouldn't be patient. I would be very irritable. So any police officer that is uh, putting their life on the line, you have to realize it is a very patient job. And uh, a lot of people don't give police officers credit for what they're doing. And you can't say that all police officers are horrible human beings because not all of them are just same thing. There's like a lot of terrible comedians out there, but not all comedians are bad. You still go out and see comedy because you know, who are the good ones and who are the bad ones.
0: And who are Who are your heroes um, in comedy?
1: In comedy, I love Dave Chappelle. I love Bill Burr. Very funny guys. Um, Joe Rogan, Robin Williams, of course. Um, I was a big fan of Bill Hicks. He really kind of revolutionized uh, talking about what's going on. And George Carlin, of course, same thing.
0: And when you sit down to write, I mean, you know, I've, I've heard about other comedians, kind of their creative processes, and that's what this podcast is about. I talk to innovators and, and about their creative processes. I've heard that Jerry Seinfeld writes like every single day, makes a, a mark on a calendar that, and makes sure that he writes every single day. How, what is your creative process when you sit down to write jokes or, or work out your act?
1: Oh. I look like a crazy guy because I'm always talking to myself I'm always uh, acting stuff out sometimes if I'm going to the grocery store I, I am I am not crazy but I look like I'm crazy because I'm just always cracking jokes and always acting out everything I write uh, as I perform I mean i I'll write jokes down and I write premises down and and it's always about the writing process but me personally like running through my act and just having fun with it and, you know, coming out with different voices and just looking all crazy all the time. (laughs) I'm surprised (laughs) I haven't been committed.
0: (laughs) So kind of trial and error. So you, you try things out up on stage. If they, if they work great, you, you work on those. And if they don't, you toss them and, and go back to the drawing board.
1: No, uh, I have my set in it. Um, I, whenever I want to throw in a new joke, I kind of sandwich it in between two good jokes that work really well. And uh, like if the new joke doesn't work well, I have a old joke to come back and bring back the audience up and they can't tell the difference.
0: Would you say that in your creative process, are you observational like a lot of comedians are or do you take things from the news or do you take things from your own experiences as a dad? How do you work it out?
1: Uh, I mainly do my own experience as a dad that observes everything. I guess I'm everything all in one. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, uh, as a father, I observe the news, what's going on and, and what's going on with my my kids' lives, and uh, just a, a, a human being in general is what I see every day, and oh my goodness, there's a lot of dumb people out there. I can't <laughs> believe it. It just blows me away. Like, how are you operating a car? How is this possible?:
0: It's true. You know? I think it blows a lot of us away.
1: It does. I'm, you know, I cannot. I'm like, how do you get up every day in the morning and say, I'm going to be stupid today and everyone else is going to take care of my problems? It it just blows me away. I I can't. I don't know.
0: Well, especially when you consider (laughs) some of them are parents, too.
1: I know. They're raising the, the future. Well, you know what? I've always gave my kids great advice. I said, "If you do everything opposite that I do, you will be successful in life." And they're doing great. <laughs> they're, they're reading and they're hitting the books. So, I guess I guess being a, a okay parent and lead by example <laughs> as a role model <laughs> in one way or another.
0: <laughs> how do you balance that whole work-family life? I, I know you're married. I know you have two little girls. Uh, how how does that work out for you as a dad who also has to be on the road? Uh, doing what you love and pursuing your passion?
1: Uh, it's a juggling act, and I have a very uh, understanding wife. She uh, understands that this is my life and this is my passion, and she knows that I'm very stubborn, that I'm going to do it anyways. So we, <laughs> we have to figure out how to uh, juggle the life and balance with everything. And it's important because, uh, especially with the kids, I don't want the kids to not know who I am. And it's very important to always be in their lives. My father was a a preacher, and he was always on the road. And uh, sometimes he would be gone months at a time. So that was very difficult. And, you know, you always question, like, why is Daddy gone so all the time? So I think me being gone for a couple weeks and just, you know, staying in touch and having them be a part of this journey as well. It's not just me uh, pursuing this journey. It's with them as well.
0: And how do you feel their support when you're away? Do you do you Skype with them? Do you do you try out some of your your cleaner jokes on the girls and see how, how they go Actually, over? My
1: girls, my girls have been writing jokes and they've been uh, they gave me a couple uh, to say to the audience and it's been working. It's good. Uh, <laughs> uh, what's one of them? Um, what is a dog's favorite tree? Oh wait, oh, no, I'm, I'm destroying it. Um, what does a shark when he sees a donut, oh. donut, 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 donut. <laughs> right? It's cute. Super I awesome. like it. I like it. Uh, so you, awesome.
0: <laughs> so you've been doing not only comedy, but I know you've been doing acting. You were in uh, Mama Boy, uh, which was yeah. no shot right here in in the Sacramento area. How is acting different, and do you like it more or less than comedy, or kind of the same? It's all performing.
1: I love both of them equally because acting makes me a better comic. It helps me articulate, articulate words and helps me uh, realize the moment and be okay with silence. Um, And then comedy helps me uh, be a better actor because it keeps me real. It keeps me grounded. Um, You know, some actors, it takes them a while to be a real person, but stand up, you see real people every night. So you get real reactions every single night. So uh, they, they help each other out tremendously.
0: So what is your early story? You told me you grew up with your dad as a preacher who was gone an awful lot. Somehow you found your way into comedy. Were you doing something before comedy or how did you work your way into this? Give me some backstory.
1: Well, when my, uh, when my father passed away when I was 17 years old, I had to get away from uh, everything. So I enlisted into the to the Navy and uh, I was stationed in Virginia and went overseas and went to Afghanistan and Iraq and I launched planes off the flight deck. Wow. So that was fun. And, uh, I know. Uh, I I got blown off the flight deck a couple of times. Uh F eighteen turned over and pushed me off the flight deck. You wanna know what death feels like for a split second. Get <laughs> get blown off by a flight deck by an Man. aircraft carrier. <laughs> But uh, you know, uh, I, but when I got back, uh, I didn't know what to do. I really didn't know what I wanted because I was, you know, not grounded but kind of lost because I, I didn't deal with uh, my father's death too well. And I and my friend told me just go to school, just get back into school. So I started getting back into school and I took this beginning acting class. And it was weird. Our final was stand up comedy. And I was like, uh, but this is an acting class. And they're like, yeah, just do it. I'm like, all right. So uh, our final was stand up comedy, and I was hooked from from the minute I got on stage. I threw up before I went on stage, but <laughs> after I threw up, uh, oh, I'm like, I don't wish that nervousness upon anyone. It's so doing stand up comedy for your first time is such a horrific, wonderful, scary, tremendous time in your life. It's the scariest thing, but the most wonderful thing you'll ever do, and uh, oh, and once you finally hear your first laugh, and you're like, "Oh wow, I'm I'm kind of officially funny now, now, <laughs> now I've been accepted," um, and then I've been hooked ever since. So, uh, one year turned into two, and now I'm 13 years later. I'm still performing. So
0: that's interesting. I mean, you talk about your military experience and just the feeling of vulnerability being on that flight deck with the thought of maybe getting blown off. And I mean, it's, it's a different kind of vulnerability, but to get up there on stage every night and do what you do also takes a, a tremendous amount of courage. I, I hope you're not still throwing up though.
1: No, I still get, <laughs> I still get nervous. I still get, I mean, I'm always going to get nervous and if I'm not getting nervous before stage time, there's something wrong right? because you don't ever want to, uh, be cocky and say, I'm going to destroy this room. And they have no idea what I'm better than everybody else. And that's when, I don't know if you heard about this, but that's when the comedy gods punish you mm. <laughs> is when you're, <laughs> when you're, when you're cocky and, and you think you're better than it. You're just, I'm just telling jokes, you know, Right. and, uh, I'm not a surgeon. I'm not a police officer. I'm not a firefighter. I'm not greater than anyone else. I'm just a, a person just like you, telling jokes on stage to everyone else. So. With, but
0: with the courage was, to do it. A lot of people don't have the courage to do that. How are the other comedians that you meet on the road? I mean, do you guys hang out together? Do you talk? Is it just kind of like passing backstage? Hey, how you doing?
1: Uh, sometimes it could be a very long week. Some, I've worked with some comics that are just divas. And they don't want, they get really jealous. Uh, I don't know why. I don't know. If they, I don't know. I, I don't know what's wrong with them. Maybe their maybe their parents were not good parents. I don't know. <laughs> but I've met. But this run, I've worked with some amazing talent, uh, and it's been a wonderful week. I've uh, and we were, you know, I'm bla I'm literally laughing every single day, every single day, because these guys are so funny on and off stage. And
0: That's it's not nice. like they're
1: on. Yeah, it's not like they're performing in front of me off stage it's just they're naturally funny really naturally funny and it's been uh been uh it's been fun it's been uh just you know the great thing about stand-up comedy is you can intertwine with uh other people's cultures and other people's lifestyles and you have to adapt and relate to them comedically which is fun
0: you sound so like, um, uh, let's see, for lack of a better word, stable. I mean, whenever you watch shows about comedians or movies about big comedians, they seem so tortured in their lives and, and like the, so many personal issues that they're then able to leverage for their comedy on stage. Do you find that to be a myth? Are most comedians that you meet on the road just kind of normal guys like you or, or um, you know, tell me a little bit about that part of it.
1: Well, every single comic has come from uh, a dark past or going through something or or dealing with some type of issue that a lot of normal people can't handle. Um, And some of them go to drugs, and some of them go to anger and alcohol and, you know, go down that horrible path. Uh, I was fortunate to have a wonderful, stable family, but, you know, I battled depression for a very long time, and my only release from that depression was to be on stage and just hear the laughter and make people laugh mm-hmm. that's uh uh but you know it's you know I still have to maintain my sanity because I have a family to raise, and I can't be a quote unquote tortured alcoholic
0: drug addict
1: <laughs> i got got i got <laughs> i got a family to raise i can't I don't have the time to I don't have the time to be an alcoholic.
0: <laughs> right, right. It does require a commitment. <laughs> you know, what?
1: when you when you're a good parent, you can't squeeze in alcoholism between seven and seven thirty. Right. You gotta you gotta take the kids to uh, <laughs> softball practice or something. I'm like, dang, is this a good time to be an alcoholic? Nope, I can't. I gotta do that after seven. So. Right. <laughs>
0: Are there any uh, topics that are just off um, off the uh, the radar for you? Like, I mean, like I said, I alluded to earlier, so many comedians say it's difficult to go even to a college campus anymore because there's so much politics and sensitivity to so many different issues. Um, are there, there, yeah. there, there are things you won't talk about or things you're like, oh, I may not, oh, I probably should not talk about that. Or do you try it all and just kind of see how it goes over? I think,
1: um, I think, uh, with, with comics uh, not going to college campuses and it's just like a chore like why do we have comics are always fighting a, an uphill battle every time we perform it's always an uphill battle it's not like theater like people want to come to the theater they sit down and it starts on time and you know the show starts no one's on their cell phones no one's drunk everyone's enjoying watching the theater and with up there's so many different elements you know as soon as you get there, people are chatting, people are drunk people are you know you hear uh the waitress a little bit louder stepping on your punch lines and stuff, so you're constantly fighting with that um, as far as colleges and not saying certain things, I think it's okay because that's it's 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 a it's a battle that you don't wanna fight because there's no reason to fight it, right, you know. It's an institution that you're going to go into, their rules. And do you want to live your whole career in college campuses doing censored stuff? Probably not. You know, uh, I don't. I'd rather say what I want and be able to say it. So if I can't be at a college to say it, that's fine. Rather, I'll go somewhere where people will listen to me and, you know, I'm the type of person, well, if it's all these red tape, then, Why go through the red tape? I'll just go somewhere else. Right. I'd rather do that.
0: The way you describe the audience is interesting to me because you're right. When you go into a theater and people are getting ready to see a show, everyone kind of you know knows the rules: put away your phones and and so forth. Uh, when I present a story, uh, people either watch my story or they click out after you know uh, ten seconds because they're not interested in the story. But when you're on that stage, it's you and the audience for however long you're up there. And uh, do you feel like sometimes it's a It's a battle or like a sparring contest. Like you're trying to see, okay, what's going to tap into this audience's sense of what's funny and how do I battle all of the people getting drinks, getting drunk, talking to their neighbor, flirting with that person over there? How do I battle that?
1: Remember what I said about stupid people? Right. Right. Sometimes they show up to comedy shows. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes they just show up and you're just like, are you, why are you here? Right. Why, why? And we get, it just happened last, uh, this, uh, last week at, at the, the comedy club I was at. Uh, the whole time this guy was on his cell phone and we addressed it and he was just in a bad mood and we're just like, why are you here? Why even be disruptive? Or sometimes you get uh, uh, people are just talking really loud for no reason and not aware of their surroundings because they think it's all about them. And you're like, hello, which way is the spotlight? Is it on you or is it on me? Okay, it's on me. So let's focus on the stage then, you know. But some people just, they think, I don't know why, but they think it's like this rowdy chance to be rowdy and crazy. Mm -hmm. And we have to, that with with laughter so
0: that's the challenge
1: you know I'm used to this environment though
0: mm-hmm.
1: I think that's I think that's what's wrong with comics we're, we're used to this type of environment so when we go to a environment that's uh, like a theater environment we're like what's wrong uh, you know it feels like we, we lose our edge mm-hmm. I mean we never will because we're always performing but it just feels that we're losing uh, a razor edge when you uh, conquer a rowdy crowd, or conquer a crowd that it's like a a, a badge of honor. Every time if there's someone disruptive, uh, the comic shoots it down and uh, makes fun of them, or just controls the, the the room and the situation. Because you you are calling real moments, and you have to address certain things, even though if you don't want to.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So. And again, you got to deal with a lot of stupid people.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure. Um, So before we wrap up, you know, what you're describing, again, this podcast is all about innovators and how to get at your deepest work and, and your best creativity. Describe to me a time that made it all worth it to you? Um, You know, either a time where you were in a movie or on stage and all the hard work that you're putting in, all the travel, all the writing, uh, what was the time that you felt like, oh, God, this is worth it. This is exactly where I want to be, need to be, have to be.
1: That's really funny that you said that just now because, and this is a God honest truth, it just happened to me. Uh, Me and uh, the opener, he he was the host he and I went to uh, a local bar to hang out before the showtime. and um, this place it just happened here in Little Rock, um, and this place was packed, packed. It was like um, it was a Christmas party for uh, people that drive jeeps. and this place was packed, and everybody was obnoxious and crazy and just acting very disrespectful in this place. And we saw this waiter. And we're like, hey, man, is there a possible we can uh, sit outside? It's kind of rowdy in here. He's like, oh, man, yes, I would love for you to be outside because I need to get away from this crazy place too. And so we developed a really quick rapport with our waiter. And uh, I was talking about, uh, I'm like, hey, I'm sorry you guys deal with a bunch of stupid people today. He's like, you have no idea. It's been a crazy, horrible day today. I was like, well, I'll tell you what. Why don't you uh, come to the uh, comedy show tonight? And uh, you you are you're on our guest list, and um, we'll have a good time. He's like, "All right, uh, me and my buddy, we gave him a great tip as well because it was just he was by himself, and there was probably like seventy drunk, obnoxious families. You know, right. it's it's gonna get to you. You know, it, as a waiter, everyone thinks he's some kind of peasant, and he's not. He's he's a person that's doing his job, trying to handle different tables and stuff. Right. Well, lo and behold. Uh, during the second show, we had two shows. Um, He showed up, sat right in the front row uh, with his girlfriend and had a wonderful time. Mm. He came up to me and the other uh, other comedian after the show, and he's like, man, thank you guys so much. And his girlfriend came up to to us, and she said, you don't understand, he was my boyfriend. He was complaining the whole time about how horrible the day was. But then all of a sudden, these two guys walked into the restaurant. They invited him to the comedy show, and here we are. And we had such a wonderful time. Thank you so much. He bought his shirt, gave his hugs, and he was—he started the day crappy, and he left happy. You know, he went home happy. So that right there is is worth the travel. It's worth the time and the and the, the frustration and the anxiety and all that is to know that we can uh, we can literally change people's days we can change uh, we can we can make it from you could start off with a horrible day and then come to a comedy show and you will have a good time and all that crap that goes through your brain or, or goes through your day is washed away and that's what's worth it that right there is worth the years of struggle
0: love it that that is yeah. uh, what they they call an attitude of gratitude that is beautiful okay
1: yeah. Yeah.
0: Mike, thank you so much for your time. So, okay, tell me again where you're going to be next and then when you're back in Northern California.
1: I'm going to be at the Looney Bin in Tulsa, Oklahoma uh, this week. Uh, I have a show at the Sacramento Punchline next Thursday, the 21st. It's a a charity show for Toys for Tots. Nice. uh, A nice Christmas uh, charity show. And then I'll be performing... Um, I'm back in Sacramento again, uh, January 12th, 13th, 14th at Laughs Unlimited.
0: Okay. So, which, you're gonna, which
1: you're going to. Yes. I'm, I'm saying it on your podcast. You're going.
0: I you love it. Can't back I can't out wait. Now.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> and then if they, people want to learn more about you, they can go to mikebetancourt.com, uh, right?
1: Yes. mikebetancourt.com. I have my podcast there. I've got everything on there. Uh, easy way to find me. Everything's right there.
0: Fantastic. Mike, thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it.
1: Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. And you have a wonderful Merry Christmas.
0: We wish Mike safe travels and I look forward to seeing his show in January. Thanks for being here for a fresh agenda. I appreciate any comments, suggestions, questions. You can reach me through my website at christinamendanza.com. There, you'll also find some of my other projects, more podcasts and digital stories. I leave you today with a book suggestion, something I've been reading lately, Cal Newport's book, so good they can't ignore you. That is a quote from another comedian, Steve Martin. And Cal talks about Steve quite a bit in the book, which is all about leveraging your own career capital to create something wonderful. Check it out. Thanks for listening. I look forward to spending some time together again soon.